Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to another Arseblog Arsecast right here on arseblog.oleole.com There was no Arsecast last week as I'm sure you all realized and that wasn't my fault No, absolutely not It was the fault of the interlull Yes, the very same interlull for whom we can blame our players being injured The players that we sent away in tip-top condition that have come back broken like old Ford Cortinas, they are. We sent them Porsches and uh, Daimlers and Jaguars. And they sent us back Ford Cortinas and 1970 Skodas. The good news, however, is that there is no more interlull between now and the end of the season. So, uh, might I just take this opportunity to say, fuck you, Michel Platini, and fuck you, Seth Blatter, and fuck you, anybody else involved in international football. We have Arsenal on now. So you can all just go somewhere and do things to each other. Yeah. Oh, we don't want to know about them. Just go do them. Practice throat slashing on each other. That'd be good. Self-harm yourselves in the juggler vein. How about that? Uh, we'll come to all the injury news uh, a little bit later on in the show. Also, to come, Gilberto Silver from Gunnerblog.com to talk about the game against Man City. Uh, can we pick up where we left off? Because we were on such a good roll, such a good run uh, before the interlull kicked in. He'll also be talking about the Villarreal game coming up uh, on Tuesday. Uh, what else have we got? We've got uh, Tony Adams has got some poetry. The man in the bar is here. And a few other bits and pieces as well. So, between the last cast and this cast. Uh, not a great deal has been happening. We know that a whole city submitted their evidence to the FA over the Sask Fabregas spitting incident. It's all well and good. It's been very quiet from the FA. We haven't heard anything. They managed, remarkably, to get an extension to the deadline to submit the uh, the information because they said everybody was away on international duty. And I think it was Good Player on his blog that pointed out, well, they got an extension... But everybody that was on international duty was still on international duty. So, uh, how does that work? They got independent lawyers and all kinds of things involved. So, um, we'll see what happens. But so far, we've heard nothing from the FA. And they're usually reasonably quick these days to level charges when charges need to be leveled. Sesk, of course, is denying everything. They're saying, oh, we saw it. We all saw it. Everyone saw it. Yeah, everyone. So we'll wait and see. The other news involving Sask, of course, was that of Joan Laporta, 
And I expect Arsenal to get a little bit cross about this. And rightly so. Because we read the comments from Laporta. He said, oh, I badly want to see Sesc in a Barcelona shirt. Oh, we're aware he's a very talented player and he perfectly knows Barcelona's style. Well, let's be clear about this. Pretty much every player playing the game of football and every fan who watches football knows Barcelona's style. You know the way they like to play, attacking football, 4-3-3 kind of job. Everyone knows that. Just because he knows it doesn't make him any different from the rest of us, apart from the fact he's much, much better at football than us, of course. Uh, But he said he is a homegrown player who is happy at Arsenal, and it would be a lack of respect to Arsenal to speak about it. He said, speaking about it. I mean, for fuck's sake. Seriously. The man needs to really kind of think about what he's saying before he actually says it. Because otherwise he just looks like, you know, a knob. More of a knob, I should say. So those are the two things involving Sesc, kinda. One because whole city were talking about him and the other because Barcelona were talking about him. We've got better news about Sesc a little bit later on in the show. Um, Now, the other big story of the week, of course, was the share sale. Danny Fisman sold 5,000 of his shares to Stan Kroenke. That leaves Fisman with 16.1% of the club and Kroenke with 20.5% now. So in the very short term, it's hard to see what what difference it makes. Uh, The friendly directors, the alliance... If you want to call them that, still maintain the same amount of shares as they did. They just uh, spread out a bit more between uh, different directors. You have to think, though, that there's um, a deliberate move to strengthen the position of Kroenke. What it means in the long term remains to be seen. Lady Nina's shares are up for grabs. Uh, she wants to sell. She has wanted to sell for quite some time. Where they'll end up, um, we just don't know. Uzmanov is there. He's got his 25% and doesn't seem to be doing anything more at the moment. Uh, there's still other shares. Richard Carr is a director who's uh, no longer on the board. Uh, whether or not his uh, shares are up for grabs remains to be seen. So it's it's hard to know what's going to happen. In the long term, though, you have to, you have to think that the more shares that Kroenke accumulates, the more likely it is that he is going to um, end up as the owner of Arsenal. Quite how quickly that's going to happen, I don't know. But it just seems inevitable. And I, in one way, it's it's kind of sad because uh, Arsenal has been built on this tradition of Englishness. And as an Irish person, you know, um, it, it doesn't really make any difference to me whether the owner is uh, English or American or whatever. But there is something very traditional about the way Arsenal has been owned and run down the years. And I think it will be a shame if we were to lose that. It'd be nice if we could get uh, an amalgamation of the two, of the foreign investment, of Kroenke's investment, uh, uh, whilst maintaining a certain English uh, Englishness to the directors and to the board. And uh, I don't know. Anyway, maybe that's just me wishful thinking. And these days, uh, you uh, you have to accept the fact that everything is global. Your football club is global. And that people who want to invest in sports clubs and franchises, as they call them, are going to do that. And that's just the way it is. Chelsea are foreign-owned. Villa are foreign-owned. Liverpool are foreign-owned. Manchester United is foreign-owned. And so it goes. Unless you're in a a situation uh, which is impossible, I think, to create um, now, like someone like Barcelona, where the club is owned by the fans. 
unless you've done that years and years ago, I don't think that's in any way possible to do it now. That would be the ideal situation, I think. But um, I think it's too late uh, for that, and there's too much money in the English game, and, and we'll just have to see what happens. But um, it'll be very interesting, I think, to see where we are uh, a year from now. Now, okay, uh, that's all the kind of news stories that have gone on. Uh, before we get to Gilberto Silver, here's Tony. Hello, Tony Adams here again with another poem on the Arscast. It has been a long and terrible time without football, and that is the fault of the interlow. Time when international football takes over, and we all have to wait for the real stuff to come back. Today's poem is entitled Interlow, and it goes a little bit like this. Oh, Interlow. Thank you very much. More poetry from Tony Adams on another Arscast in the very near future. Now, joining me to talk about Manchester City tomorrow, the Interlull, the game against Villarreal coming up on Tuesday, is Gilberto Silver from GunnerBlog.com. Hello. Hey. Uh, the Interlull, it was uh, it was quite a long one this time. How did you cope? Uh, not particularly well. Uh, I was writing on my blog this morning. I started having dreams about club football because <laughs> uh, I missed it so much. It was it felt particularly painful. I don't know why. I think it's because we were doing quite well beforehand. Uh, for much of the season, it's been sort of a bit nice to have a break from our form, but because mm. we'd sort of hit a good patch, it was a bit of a pain to leave it all behind. Yeah, I, I considered turning to crime to be yeah. past it. Yeah, petty crime, not not serious crime or anything. Just sure. You know, bit of. A... I almost went and did some protesting. You know, not that I care about issues or anything but just felt you know be, it pass the time that but, whole uh, it's that whole gang mentality you got caught up with the posse that's why if tell you what if there's club football happening right now the streets would be clear they'd be empty absolutely the world leaders could go about their business and look after us all like we know they want to i mean that's their first concern is to make sure yeah. we're all all right you know I know. Well, you'd think they could have sorted the football schedule you know to, to give them an easier time yeah chelsea fans i bet most of them yeah, I should think so. Uh, you you mentioned the the gap because we were doing rather well uh, up until the uh, the interlull kicked in. Uh, it didn't come at a great time. We we had built momentum. Um, how do you think we're going to cope with that? Uh, we we seem to have coped relatively well with the last couple of international breaks. Yeah, I mean, I think we should be all right. I mean, the big thing, I suppose, the major talking point. I'm sure we'll come on to it. Is that we've got a couple of players, one in particular, back from injury. Uh, which should, you know, provide us with some fresh impetus. Um, we start with a home game against a side who haven't got the best defence in the league, and I think it's a good opportunity for us to sort of pick up where we left off, really. Mm, yeah, you mentioned one player coming back, and obviously that's uh, that's uh, Fabregas. At the moment, we don't have any other uh, team news or injury news after the uh, the internationals, and we know there are some doubts, uh, but we'll wait to, to hear what people say about that. Uh, mm. But Fabregas is coming back... Um, in one way, it's it's strange because our best form of the season, our best run of the season, has coincided with him being out of the team. 
But I don't think you can uh, underestimate how much he does bring to this side and, and what a difference he's going to make, particularly if he's coming back fresh and, and full of um, vim and vigour and ready to play again. Yeah, I mean, his form in the first half of the season wasn't that great. Uh, and there's a lot of talk about, you know, burnout and having played through the summer in the European Championships. But um, he's had a bit of a layoff now, and uh, I'm sure I'm sure we'll be in tip-top condition. Arsenal saying he needs a few games to get fully back up to speed, um, but I think he'll I think he'll go straight into the side really. Mm. Uh, I think he'll start on Saturday, and I think that um, and probably on Tuesday as well. Um, but what what will be interesting, I suppose, is is who he's partnered with, how the dynamic of the side changes, because we've been playing with two fairly deep holding-ish midfielders of late. You know, it's been Denilson and Song or Song and Diaby and something like that. I mean, I wonder who who keep in the side with Arshavin and Nasri now playing on the flanks uh, and a lot of creative input there. It'll be interesting to see how Fabregas links up with those two. Mm. Uh, I, I think he's going to keep Denilson in the side, I have to say. Yeah, I think so as well, simply because Denilson is the you know, the principal ball winner and ball carrier. And he was in the side, he's been in the side all season long. He's been the one man who sort of hasn't really shifted. So I would expect him to play. I certainly don't think it'll be Diaby uh, because I think that he, like Fabregas, tends to get forward more. I think it'll be Fabregas and one of Danielson or so. It's interesting, isn't it, maybe how uh, Danielson's, the perception of Danielson has changed in the sense that we would all look at him at the start of the season as sort of sesk light. He was that kind of player. He was, uh, you know, a little bit crafty. And, and now he seems to have adapted or, or changed his game, whether he's had to do it on purpose. He's had to, he's had to do that. Um, and might it improve him to have somebody like Fabregas where uh, he can do the busy stuff running around in front of the back four and uh, making all the interceptions he, he seems to make and then give it to, to Fabregas who can actually do more with the ball with, with the greatest of respect than, than Song can or Diaby can? Well, I think so. But then, you know, I'm a bit, I'm a bit cautious because in the first half of the season, we, we saw Fabregas and Danielson play together a lot and it wasn't particularly successful. I think Danielson has stepped up uh, somewhat since Fabregas has been out and I think our, perversely our central midfield uh, the central midfield area seems to have improved a little um, but I think that hopefully you know with Danielson having improved in Seth's absence when he comes back in uh, it'll be a better better product than it was before Christmas. Uh, a lot of football coming up obviously uh, we've got Manchester City and I suppose a bit of revenge on the minds of the players. Well, I would hope there is because the, the, the away game uh, at whatever the hell the Man City Stadium is called, Eastlands. Yeah. Well, that's the worst name for a stadium I've ever heard, I have to say. Well, is that what it's called? I mean, Eastland and City of Manchester as well. City of Manchester. Yeah. I, I don't think really of know. a better name. Like the Blue Megadome or something. That would have been, yeah. would have been much better. But anyway, um, the performance there was was pretty much abject. One of the worst performances uh, of the season. We got turned over 3-0, and it might have been 5, and it might have been 6, uh, the way we played that day. So a little bit of pride to be restored as well. I think so. And uh, for me, I mean, that was just the most dreadful game to watch. We were absolutely appalling. and We had a, had a lot of injuries. I remember Gavin Hoyt was playing that game because we mm. had to take a few players available at the back. Uh, but nonetheless, we were... We were terrible, really, in every department. And uh, Man City, you know, at home, they're a very different prospect to to what they are away. 
uh, away from the blue megadome or whatever it might be called. <laughs> and uh, hopefully that will, you know, help us out. I mean, the likes of Rubinho, who was excellent on that day, I remember, doesn't really turn up uh, away from home. And I think that that could definitely work to our benefit. All right. So provided we uh, kick things. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Off well uh, in the league. Uh, we've got the none too small matter of the Champions League then coming up on, on Tuesday. Uh, Villarreal. In the top four in Spain, they're a very good team. Um, we've got a bit of history with them. We've scored one goal. Uh, one goal was enough uh, to see us through to the final back in uh, in 2006. So they, uh, as much as we want revenge against Manchester City, they will be looking at that uh, that game as as a revenge game too. Um, they have players that we should be um, not afraid of, but certainly respectful of. They do. I mean, they're not a team necessarily full of stars. I remember when we last played them, uh, it was Juan Riquelme who, you know, made everything tick. Um, you know, there's some, there's some good players. There's the likes of Cazorla and Rossi and, there's, you know, Robert Perez, of course, who I don't think started that much of late, but just on a new contract. So mm. he's obviously still very much valued there, still a great player. Um, but they, you know, they just play a solid game. They're fairly consistent in terms of being in the top four in Spain and uh, they will be out for revenge. I mean, they were a penalty kick away, you know, from sort of putting us out as it were. And uh, I think they'll be fully aware of that. Jens Lehmann kept us in the competition uh, on that occasion. And I think that it will be close, closer than a lot of people think. A lot of people, I mean, undoubtedly it's one of the easier draws that we could have, but that doesn't make it an easy draw. Mm. Fourth in Spain against fourth in England. Uh, so, you know, from, from that point of view, mm. if you want to uh, judge the merits of each league, uh, it, it seems to be a fairly even match. Uh, a goal, at least, um, is, is going uh, to be vital, I think, if we want to go through. Uh, I know we've been defensively good, but an away goal, particularly to take back uh, to the second leg at home, would be, would be brilliant. Yeah, because, you know, although our defending has improved... I just don't. I just don't necessarily rely on us to uh, to keep a clean sheet at home, and that's that's so important in this competition. It's funny. It's you know. It's sort of. It's the dynamic has changed. It used to be considered a real advantage to have the second leg at home, 
because you could, you know, overturn a deficit that you might have picked up in the away leg. Now having the having it the other way around, so you know if you need to go and get an away goal, seems to be almost more beneficial. But on this occasion, if we can go and get, you know, I don't know, if we a score draw would be. A, a good result, but I think we're more than capable of going there and winning, to be honest. Mm, yeah, me too. Anyway, I, I shall see you there at some point. We'll have a beer in Spain because I think we're both going down for uh, for that game, so it should be fun. Uh, for now, though, Gilberto Silver from GunnerBlog.com. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you very much to Gilberto Silver from GunnerBlog.com, and you can check out his site at www.gunnerblog.com. Speaking of Arsenal bloggers and other Arsenal blogs, I have to doff my Arsenal cap that I'm not wearing. Um, I don't have any hat wear or headwear in this room at all. Do I? No. I've got scarves and shirts and envelopes aren't hats. Nevertheless, I must doff my cap, imaginary as it is, to Gunnar Hollick, who ran a story on uh, April Fool's about... <laughs> about Platini and uh, restricting the nationality of fans that can attend Champions League games. It was an April Fool and uh, quite a clever one, and uh, it fooled quite a number of people, it has to be said. But the best thing of all was that on the uh, the Times Online, uh, the game, which is the uh, the Times podcast, Gabriel Marcotti was obviously a, a very, I, I find it quite an interesting journalist, and um, somebody said to him, uh, hello, Gabrielle. Was wondering if you'd read this blog about the new UEFA rules for next season's Champions League and, and provided a link to Gunnar Hollick's blog. And Marcotti said, I read it and I'm going to check up on it, but I'm inclined to give Platini the benefit of the doubt here. Blah, blah, blah. Hook, line, and motherfucking sinker. That is absolute class uh, from Gunnar Hollick. So well done to you, sir. Um, it's I think it's brilliant that an April Fool can actually still work. Because I know that if I do something on Ars blog, everyone goes, yeah, it's just April Fool's Day. You fucking cunt. You just wasted your time and our time. But fair play to Hollick. He, he pulled it off with aplomb. <clears throat> and uh, not for the first time, uh, from what I hear anyway. I'm sitting here with the window open, you know, in Dublin, in April, and the window's open. It's fantastic. The weather is brilliant. I hope the weather will be suitably brilliant or similarly brilliant uh, in Valencia uh, next Tuesday night because it's going to be great going down for the Villarreal game, traveling via Barcelona on Monday night. So I might be around in Barcelona for uh, some drinkies on Monday night. I have to check with my uh, Italian pals who I'm staying with if it's all right, if I can uh, get a key to their house. Otherwise, I just have to sit in their sofa or something. Uh, but yeah, hopefully the weather will be good. And uh, yeah, San Miguel, Paella. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, there's a game of football too. Even better. It's fantastic. Now, uh, the man in the bar. Hey there, Sarah Splatter. How's it going there? Hey, I thought you'd be down for a little mojito tonight. Grab a seat there. There you go, good man. Would you like me to push your stool in? All right, okay. Uh, yeah, well, oh, busy, busy here. You know, I was on a worldwide tour with the band. Yeah, we were in Leitrim, Offaly, Kildare, Galway, Waterford, Kerry, Roscommon, and County Louth. Which, uh, as you might imagine, was uh, the low point of the whole thing, but uh, we won't go into that. <laughs> I was living at the old Arsenal news there. Seems a number of our players have gone away on international duty and come back broken. Now, this is not acceptable, is it? By any standards, if you send something away in perfectly good condition and it comes back broken, 
Why is the onus on you to repair it and to bear the cost of that breakage? What I think we should do, right, is before we send any more of our players away with their countries, we do a deal with the national associations. So, if, for example, Croatia want Eduardo, they send us ten Croatian children. If Eduardo comes back fine, they get all ten children back unharmed. If Eduardo comes back with a little groin tweak, they get nine children. If he comes back with knee ligament damage, they get six children. If he comes back with a sprained ankle, they get eight children. And if he breaks his leg or does a cruciate ligament, they don't get any of those children back whatsoever. What were we going to do with the children? I know it is a fair proportion of your listenership out there that are going to kill them. Now, I wouldn't be in favour of that at all. However, I think Arsenal should set up a butler school. Right? So any of those children that don't go back to their own countries after our player gets injured while playing international football, we train them from the age of seven or eight to be butlers. And then we sell the butlers around the world to rich people. Because these will be the creme de la creme of butlers. The Liam Brady of butlers, if you will. That way then, Arsenal will have some compensation when our players get injured on international duty. And the funds raised from selling these children as butlers would go in the future to help us buy new players. I don't really see how anybody could have any problem with it whatsoever. In fact, I'm going home to write a letter right now to Ivan Gazidis about it. You stay here and finish your drink. The fellow over there looks like he wants to talk to you. Could you do anything for the We'll have more from the man in the bar on next week's Arsecast. Now, it all starts again tomorrow. The run-in, the final part of the season, kicks off tomorrow at 3 o'clock at home to Manchester City. Uh, as I said to Gilberto Silver, there is a measure of revenge about this game because we were so played off the park at the Blue Megadome that it just wasn't funny. It happened in November. It wasn't a good month for us. We were beaten by Stoke away. And although we beat Manchester United and, and followed that up, I think, with a win in the uh, in the Carlin Cup, was it against Wigan? We then lost at home to Aston Villa. And then we went to Manchester City. And that is when this team, I think, hit rock bottom. Because since then, we've been on this unbeaten run. Uh, we haven't always played great football, but we haven't been beaten yet in the, in the league. So um, from that point of view, it's... Uh, it's something we can look back on and learn from. And obviously we changed things after that game because it was just so bad. They took us to pieces, which I have—I don't think I've really seen any team do to us in the same way uh, in, the, in the last few years. The last, the last time I can really remember a team going mad on us and looking at them and going, oh my God, how are we going to get anything? The, the, the Champions League game against Barcelona when it was Canu, I think, who scored a, an equaliser in the new Camp. But in the first half of that game, I don't think I've ever seen us outplayed. And not even that they had that many chances, but just we couldn't get near the ball. But uh, Manchester City, you know, in November, they, they took, took us to pieces. So we'll be out for revenge tomorrow, and obviously to try and keep things going and, and pick up where we left off, because we were on a, a pretty good run. Uh, the injury news is not great. Um, let's look at the positives first. 
Sesk is back, Adi Bayor is back, and Walcott is back. That's all good. That is good. However, Van Persie is out with a groin injury. Eduardo is out with a groin injury. Diaby is out with a thigh injury, and that appears to be the same injury that he keeps picking up over and over and over again, that thigh injury. I think that's what's kept him out for uh, for a good while earlier in the season. Uh, Nasri has the flu, so we don't know if he's going to be okay to play on, on Saturday or not. Uh, and Carlos Vela is coming all the way back from Mexico, so he may not play. So uh, I suppose it balances out in a way. We've got Adi Bayor uh, and uh, Walcott back in, uh, but Van Persie and Eduardo out. Obviously, the main news is that Fabregas is back, and there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to start the game. Um, we spoke uh, earlier uh, to Gilberto Silva about it and what sort of impact he might have, and what was interesting was he, he was talking about how fatigued he was, how he played so many games for Arsenal, played the European Championships. He went into the season carrying a bit of an injury, um, which is maybe why we didn't see uh, the best of him or uh, or him play as well as we know he can. There were other factors as well. The fact that he didn't have someone like Flamini around him, uh, I think was, was a factor in why he didn't quite find his uh, form. But he's had the injury. He's rested. He's hungry to come back, and he is, without question, the best midfielder we have at the club. And going into this final part of the season where we need somebody with that bit of craft, that bit of guile, somebody who can spot that pass, somebody with a bit of quality and a bit of class in in midfield, it's going to be fantastic to have him back. I think that he won't necessarily play the full 90 against Manchester City. I think the boss will be hoping that uh, in the first hour of the game, we can get a couple of goals and he can take Sesk off then uh, and give him a rest because he wants to get him back in slowly. We've seen it with uh, with Eduardo, with Van Persie. We've seen it time and time again that when a player comes back from injury, uh, he's susceptible to picking up another little strain or a little niggle that'll keep him out for another couple of weeks. And another couple of weeks at this stage of the season is a very big chunk of games. So we need Sesk to stay as fit as possible uh, right uh, right to the end of the season, obviously. So that's why I think, uh, if he, if at all possible, uh, he'll try and um, uh, only give him 60 minutes and ease him back into things because, uh, obviously, we've got to go to Spain then on Tuesday and then we've got more football the following weekend and, blah, 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 and so many games coming up in the next uh, in the next month, uh, month and a half. So it's going to be really, really interesting. So um, that's about it, really. There isn't much else to talk about. Uh, we will obviously have more next week when there's all kinds of football going on, but... Uh, uh, that's about it. I won't be here, obviously, next week, um, Tuesday or Wednesday. You will have the pleasure of Tom's company. He'll be doing the blog for you. So, uh, obviously, I'll talk to you all over the weekend and Monday and after the uh, trip to Spain via Barcelona to Valencia on to Villarreal. Come on, I can't wait. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, hopefully, we'll see a good game on Tuesday and the right result for the Arsenal. Uh, and talk to you on next week's Arscast. Okay, until then, take it easy. Bye-bye.
And now, another Things That Are Mustard. And here's your host, David Bentley. Alright, welcome to Things That Are Mustard with me, David Bentley, the most mustard footballer in the Premier League. This week, more thing that is mustard is parking in handicapped spaces because handicapped people get free parking along with free televisions and puppies. But the best thing about parking in an handicapped space is you can see a real handicapped person going around looking for somewhere to park and you're parked in their space with a much better car because their cars are crap, in it? They've got like a little knob on the steering wheel and you're thinking you're a little handicapped knob steering wheel bloke and I'm in your space. Now that is what I call proper mustard. Things That Are Mustard is brought to you in association with Mustard. It's mustard. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.